Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges, where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. Thank you to those of you who have started leaving reviews on the podcast. That is super awesome. I really, really appreciate it. Um, feel free to go on and subscribe. Lots of cool things coming up. I'm really happy about that. Um, and before I introduce my guest, I'd like to encourage you to go to bit.ly backslash fear to fire for your free gifts. Um, there's a, a tip page that provides hands-on specific actions that you can take to work through some fears and achieve the results that you desire. It's all about results here too. And that's um, bit.ly, that's L-Y, backslash fear to fire. And we have our quote today, as always. Today's quote is by Lisa Rainsberger. In every workout, there comes a moment when you have to decide to keep pushing hard through the doubt, discomfort, and fear of the pain. You have two choices at this point, to push through and mentally divorce your mind of the doubt, discomfort, and fear, or you can surrender. And I think that might be applicable for today's guest. Let me introduce Ken Lubin, who is a managing director with ZRG Partners, founder of Executive Athletes, founder of The Ultimate Hire, U.S. Olympic Committee career advisor, and death race winner. Ken is a master in getting people out of their comfort zone. He helps people achieve their dreams and companies achieve their goals by helping them realize the high-performance life. Oh, we're going to have so much fun today. Well, he leads the Global Executive Search Initiative and several specialty finance niches. Ken is also the founder of Executive Athletes, an online community which consists of over 18,000 business professionals that compete globally in high-level athletics and our leaders in the world of business. He's also the founder of the Executive Athlete Podcast, which is super. In addition to being an initial founder of the 431 Project, a think tank to get people healthy and moving, he's on the board of the Friends of Tuckerman Ravine and most recently founded The Ultimate Hire. And we could talk a little bit more about that later, but I'd like to introduce Ken Lubin. Thanks for joining us today. Great, Heather. It's Awesome to be part of this, and I love what you're doing. Thanks so much. We're going to have so much fun today. And uh, guess, wait to hear this. I have no idea where this is going to go because we have so much here with Ken. All those cool, crazy things that I talk about, Ken's done them all. So, you know, we'll, we'll find some really interesting things that will range from you know, athletic endeavors to how it applies in the business world to who knows what. So, Ken, why don't you give us a little bit more background to start us off as to, you know, where you come from? No, definitely. So thanks again for having me on the show. And and, and it's a pleasure. And this is going to be a blast because what you're doing is super cool. And I think, you know, everyone should, as we were talking about earlier, step outside their comfort zone as much as they can. So, a little bit more about me. Um, what's crazy is I have a degree in sports science. I get out of school and I thought I was going to coach ski racing for the rest of my life. And my wife, girlfriend, now wife at the time said, is this what we're doing for the rest of our lives? And that was the end of that. So, <laughs> um, 
making $15,000 a year really wasn't in her, wasn't in her wheelhouse. But, you know, I came out of that and got into the recruiting business back in 1999 when ultimately all you really had to do is fog a mirror in order to get into the business. <laughs> it was just get getting out there, um, getting on the phone, banging out calls, cold calls every day for two years and talk about getting out of your comfort zone. That was one thing that just pushed me outside my comfort zone every day. I had, you know, zero self-confidence in my ability to do it, zero self-esteem in that business. And it was just like, this is the worst thing possible. Um, oh. 20 years later, I'm still doing it. So I guess, I guess things <laughs> you, have you turned around. Got over it, right? Yeah, I've got I got over that. But um so and then I joined a company called ZRG Partners at the beginning um when it ultimately started now our top 15 global search business and with 170 people all around the world. So it's been it's been an amazing journey to be part of that. And along the way during you know during that time we I hit a couple of recessions, the dot com recession and the 2008 uh recession which was a very interesting time, but probably some of the best times in my business. So it allowed me to really push the limits and try to master social media, master using LinkedIn, master growing my network and realizing that my network is really everything that I have. So um, that's a little bit about me. And, you know, in the same sentence, I still love to train, still love to race, still try to push the limits physically as well as, you know, mentally. So it's, it's, oh, that's it's a little bit about my background. Oh my gosh, I love it. I, so I will get into the the athletic side, but you said something that comes up over and over again for my clients. So I want to ask for uh, some words of wisdom from you to help them. That that picking up the phone, that that cold calling fear where the phone just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you don't want to do it and you you know basically come up with every excuse under the sun like doing the dishes over picking up the phone and if you guys knew how much I hate doing the dishes you would know uh, understand fully <laughs> what that analogy means to me but do you have any advice what helped get you through that I think just you know just persistence right and really at first you sort of have to fake it till you make it right and it's just picking up the phone it's just like hey realizing that each call is a learning experience that took me about two years to really realize that but i think it was just you know just it's not being aggressive it's just moving forward right it's just taking action i think and you know it's one step closer to you know trying to get a deal and believe me it was awful you know i used to go home full of anxiety and be like this is the worst thing i'd ever done in my life but once you sort of start embracing it and start looking at it as a challenge it's different than saying oh this is my job and i have to do this every day oh i like that i like that first of all the the shift of um, you can look at the exact same thing, but just shift how you view it and view it as a challenge. And that's something for your personality in particular and mine and a lot of people out there that completely changes the entire um, energy that's wrapped around it. That's really cool. And the uh, the moving through it anyway. I think a lot of the times that's a theme with uh, our guests, when it comes to breaking through fear, it's really moving through fear, taking action anyway, and it, it just obliterates it. So thank you for that. That's really, really cool. The other thing that you mentioned in your background story is you know, working through and getting kind of creative during times of recession where, where everybody else might be freaking out. 
it sounded like you actually saw it as an opportunity. Can you speak more to that? Definitely. It was, you know, believe me, I was freaking out because you're not making as much money as you're used to making and actually probably made, you know, less than half of what I had made before the recession started. And most people would probably say, screw you, I'm going to go look for another job. I'm making half of what I'm making before. And I think it was, you know, it's just realizing that sometimes, you know, there's gonna, it's going to be good and sometimes it's going to suck and just sort of realizing that, you know, you got to, you just got to keep moving forward. There was nothing else I was really going to do. I wasn't going to move into other markets. I wasn't going to try to go try something else, but it was an opportunity to learn, to really just sit down and, and, and take some time. And what I realized is I could reach out to people that normally wouldn't take my call when the times are good, but they have a lot more time on their hands and they're going to take your <laughs> call when the, when the times are bad. So you had the ability to chat with people you you normally couldn't. Wow, what a silver lining thing, huh? You know, okay, if we got to find something here that's good about this recession, there's people that you couldn't get a hold of before, you can. And there's always, I think there's always that in every situation. Sometimes it just takes a lot of digging (laughs) to find that silver lining. So that's really, really cool. So let's, um, I'm going to definitely come back to this because I I do work a lot with the the business community, of course, but I want to learn a little bit more about your um, athletic background because it's, it's a thread that is so integral to who you are. And I believe probably that athletic mindset helps make your your decisions for you helps guide you at least talk to me a little bit more about some of what you've done in that arena. And in particular, when we're talking about fear here, uh, the death race winner, we're going to need more information on that. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about that stuff, but I think, you know, the, the mindset is you just got to do it anyways. If you want to do well in sport. And I think a lot of people forget this as they get away from say high school or college sports, what really got them to their success if they're competing then was the ability to push through, the ability to say, you know what, it's raining out, but we're going to go practice on the field no matter what. Um, but I think once, you know, once they're outside of that, that structured sport world, most people really lose it because they've always been told what to do or how to do it. And now it's like, oh, shit, I really have to do this myself. And they lose that internal drive and internal motivation. And I think, you know, I'm fortunate uh, for a couple of reasons where the fact was that I, I was in, an in, the, in, I focused on individual sports of ski racing and bike racing, right? So mm. you could go out there and train, even though if there wasn't snow, you could always be training to get stronger um, or racing, you know, riding your bike. You could always figure out something else to get fitter, that type of stuff. And it was for some reason, I had this internal drive and internal motivation to just keep going um, through it. And I, and I realized that it always felt good when I was done. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people think that there's going to, that there's pain involved when going through it. Cause all they remember is their old high school coach or gym teacher telling them they have to go run when they don't want to run and it hurts and this sucks and it's terrible. And they have that same sort of fear of picking up the phone. Whereas in reality, it's like, you feel better when you accomplish your goal. There's no one ever at the end of a workout says, I wish I didn't do that. And I think that's sort of the same thing. You know, getting off the couch is hard. Getting out of bed when it's cold and raining is hard. Getting up when it's dark, it's, it, it's hard. But 
when it's over, that's when the glory happens. And it could just be a 15 minute run. It could be taking your dog around, around the block or, or whatever, but it's just getting outside and getting breathing. And I think that the athletic mindset is a mindset that just forces you to get out there because you don't want to lose. You know, I love, I love to try to win and it's, and I don't try to win against others. I try to win against myself. And I think, yeah, I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to that stuff. And it's if I'm going to try something, I'm going to go all out. But at the end of the day, if I win, I win. If if I lose, I lose. But I know I, you know, the effort I put in is, you know, what's going to create the results. You know, I just want to before we you go, move into the the more information about the death race. <laughs> I I want to point out to people out there who maybe aren't competitive athletes, something that you said that I think is really important. And that is taking the steps, the actions for you, it might be hopping on a bike for, you know, 50 miles, somebody else, it could be just turning off the television and walking around the block, right? And that will still create that same uh, motivation, energy, and good feeling afterward that um, just grows. It's like a snowball effect. Each time you do it, it adds to your confidence. It adds to your motivation. It adds to that, those good feelings. So um, for those of you who are listening, small steps are okay. It gives you that same feeling. Um, so go ahead, Ken. What do you think about uh, that and about moving into some some more of your crazy things that you're doing. <laughs> no, I think you're right there. You know, Greg Amond has this quote. It's, you know, it doesn't get any easier. You just go faster is really mm -hmm. what it comes down to. And it, and that can be for, for anyone it's getting off, you know, the, it's, you're going to get the same feeling if you haven't worked out in 10 years as I'm going to get, or someone fits going to get after doing 50 miles on a bike or, you know, an ultra run or something like that. It's, it's that feeling is really is the same. And I do, I go to CrossFit all the time and, you know, sometimes you go in and I look at it as a race every day. You're going in there, you're competing with yourself, but you're competing against others. But no matter what, you're all hurting just the same. I'm just, yeah. you know, I just have the ability to go a little bit harder and a little bit faster and, but the same benefits happening to everyone. Good. That's cool. But, you know, and then we can get into the whole race, the other race stuff. And, you know, the death race is an interesting race. It's um, founded by Joe DeSena, who actually started the Spartan race series. And I'm sure many, many people know what Spartan is. It's the mm -hmm. obstacle race series. But the death race is what was the precursor to that. And it was it's a race in Vermont um, that actually just came back last year after a few years being done, but it's, it's a race that you don't really know when the start is or when the finish is, and you don't really know what's <laughs> going to happen along the way. And the, uh, and the mind games start six months before is really when it starts happening. They talk about gear lists and you have to come up with these crazy, you know, crazy things. One year we had to show up with bonsai leaves or human hair or, you know, all this crazy stuff. But it's to really, you know, get you outside the comfort zone. And, you know, what I like to say, it's almost like a whole life in a weekend, right? It's you're going through all the emotions of everything, staying up, you know, not sleeping the year, you know, two years I did it or the two or the three years I did it. There was, you know, we didn't sleep for 60 hours straight, that type yeah. of stuff. Um, but, you know, but you learn how to 
get through the night and you look forward to the sunrise because once you get to the sunrise, you know, your day starting all over again, whether or not you slept or not, it's a different story. Um, that was my biggest fear. The first year I did it was I had never gone through the night in any event. And it was, you know, I had talked myself out of it and ended up quitting 30 hours into it or 24 hours into it because I had that fear of, oh my God, what am I going to do if I'm, if I don't sleep and, and all that. And the next year, um, we went into it and it was 60 hours and no sleep and had no issues because I, you know, that first year I was totally unprepared, um, with so many different things, but it allowed me to come back the next year prepared to really say, Hey, I'm going to give this a shot. And, um, you know, due to different circumstances, actually me and three other guys, the second year were four hours in the lead when we we're told to go do something. And the race was actually already finishing behind us. And we were ready. We were ready to be done. It was, we're all parents. We're 40 years old. And we're like, you know what? It's time to move on. So, you know, we did quit at that point, but we're already way ahead in the race. And it's a long story that sort of, you know, precedes that. And then the next year we came back and said, Hey, we're not going to quit for a month, no matter what, you're not going to beat us. And we came back the same three of us, even though it's not a team event, we all crossed the finish line together. So yeah. it was, uh, we knew we're, we're in it. We're in it for the mission. We had to prove it to ourselves, but also prove it to, you know, <laughs> prove it to others that we were the real deal that we weren't, you know, the year before wasn't a fluke that we were actually, you know, we were the leaders and that type of stuff. So it's it's just pushing through that comfort zone to see what you can do and it's it's absolutely amazing what the mind body and spirit can can push through um i love so. it and you know what two different things um here again stand out to me one is the power of expectations the first time um you know learning that it was so crazy for you because you had no idea what was going to happen, but you learned from that to come back the next time. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be okay. Not sleeping through the night because I, I now know that that's a possibility. And when we're dealing with families, when we're dealing with potential clients, when we're dealing with life, um, being aware that setting those expectations for people can really help, um, create relationships and put people at ease and help them push further is super important. And then the other one is just how much learning, you know, you learn each time that you did it. And I'm a big believer in we never fail. We, you know, we make mistakes and we learn from them. Um, the only time you fail is when you refuse to see it and you refuse to learn the lesson. Uh, and so your story just really speaks strongly to that. And that's it, you know, and it's, you never fail until you quit, right? It's right. all right. And, and, and then at that point, you know, it's, there's a whole other mindset that you have to go through, but with that, it's, you know, it's the same thing. And I just continued to try to do longer and harder races. We started the same, you know, two of the people I finished with there were on an adventure race team where we race for three or four days at a time now and that type of stuff. And, you know, it's all about pushing that limit to see what is possible. And what's crazy is pretty much anything's possible. Um, you know, believe me, you're not going to become a jockey if you're Shaquille O'Neal and you're not going to become <laughs> a basketball player if you're, you know, if you're a jockey, but you know, there's physical limitations to some stuff size wise, that type of stuff. But for the most part, you can, you can adapt, you can learn to become, you know, who you want to be or what you want to do. Oh, I believe that. I love that lesson, Ken. Thank you. You know, I, I, I know that 
one of the biggest things for people is finding that connection to um, that place of desperation, right? So have you ever had, like, you've done some incredible things in your life, right? You've founded amazing things. You've worked through amazing things. Have you ever had that moment where you were just, it, it might have been a biggest lesson moment. It might have just been, I, I did it anyway. But where was that that fear place, that desperation place for you where you weren't sure? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> hundred <laughs> percent every day. It's just, you know, it is, it, it is that fear. It is that sort of, you know, that self-confidence. It is that, you know, it's realizing, you know, most of the people that are going to be listening to this are experts in something. Right. And it's realizing you're an expert in something. Um, and, but it, it's hard to declare that uh, as a person, it's hard to declare that you're an expert in X, Y, Z. And, but but you are. And I think it's once you start realizing that, you know, you know, your, you know, you know, your stuff and really real and having that confidence, you know, that stuff is is huge. But also in the same time, it's always be willing to learn, always be the one who listens versus the one who talks. Mm, that's huge. And I love that um, how important both of those things are for people who may be struggling with confidence, recognizing that it's just a shift of focus to from the things that still challenge you to recognizing that everybody has a unique gift. Everybody has that special talent. And sometimes you just have to search. If it comes easy to you, you may not see it, right? But that's what makes it your special gift because it comes easy to you and it may not come easy to other people. And recognizing that and focusing on that and using those gifts and sharing them with the world to make it better, that's beautiful thing right and we're not all going to be the same because that would be boring so that's an important part of it and then also just always learning that's really really important can i i love that do you have any like biggest lessons you know i think my biggest lessons is you know not wasting time um mm -hmm. i think what happens is so many people get they always say i don't have time for this or i don't have time for that and but you have time to watch a four hour Patriots game on a Sunday, or you have time to watch Netflix every night for two hours, right? Or you have time, you know, you have time for all this other stuff that's not productive. And sometimes it is. Sometimes you just need to veg out. Sometimes you need to just decompress. I'm, you know, I can tell you personally right now, I'm in a little bit of a decompression time because we've been going hard all winter, um, you know, with business, with my personal life, with all that type of stuff. And, and it's okay to veg out once in a while for, you know, for a week or so or two weeks or whatever. But, you know, it's not everything I do, I sort of have this philosophy, no wasted steps. If you're going up and, you know, your laundry rooms in your bathroom and you go into the bathroom, turn around and change the laundry, right? You know, you're right there mm -hmm. instead of allowing that to pile up in your head. Or if you're, you know, you're making lunch, do your dishes right then and there. And it's, you know, and again, it's those little things. And if you chunk it down and say, all right, I'm going to do this for the next one minute. It's amazing what you can do in one minute. You can do a whole kitchen worth of dishes in about 90 seconds, even though, you know, you feel like it's going to be overwhelming and you can be there for hours and hours, you know, 90 seconds of time is actually a long time to be doing something like that. And I think that's the way I look at a lot of this stuff is, all right, um, if I'm going to do a blog post, how hard is it really going to be to, you know, write a blog post, eight minutes, 10 minutes, that type of stuff. And it's less threatening when you, when you look at it that way. 
Okay, first of all, point taken with your dishwashing analogies. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ken. Yeah, there you Everyone go. here will definitely appreciate that you've taught me a lesson about <laughs> doing the dishes. Thank you very much. No, but it, it's so important to recognize that you just have to start. And if you put the smaller time limits on it or you are um, conscious of your time and the going, the laundry one was really good too. Like you're right there anyway, just do it while you're right there. And it saves time is our most precious resource. You know, we think it's money, right? We're always striving for money, but no, we only want money because it frees our time. And we right. don't, we have a limited resource of time. You really don't have a limited resource of money if you're creative enough. It's time that we really need more of. And so any tips that you, like what you just gave us right now, I think that's super important for everybody to learn from is to just get started, to chunk it down into, into small bite-sized pieces. And then what comes from that is the energy that you get from, from accomplishing something that you start, it, it it just um, gets you doing more and more and you become more and more productive. You obviously, if I'm, you know, when you look back at the the bio that I read here for you, you obviously are a hugely productive person. What, it, besides the, um, the, the time aspect of it, is there anything else that you would advise from a productivity standpoint? You know, I think, again, it's sort of the work thing, right? It's if, uh, you know, people dread writing an email or being negative, you know, say you have a confrontational discussion you need to have. It's, you know, you like to do it first thing in the morning and then thinking about it all day, right? Because it's a lot easier to just get it out of the way. Or um, people about working out, people say they don't have time to work out, but, you know, you try to do push-ups for two minutes straight, right? It's you're not gonna be able to do push-ups for two minutes straight. I don't care, you know, unless you're the fittest of athletes. So you know that's an excuse as well. You can do push-ups while you're on a conference call for two minutes, or air squats, or burpees, or something like that. And people say they they don't have time to work out. Believe me, if you can do a workout multiple times, do five, you know, five two-minute workouts in a day, you're going to be sore by the end of the day. You know, so it's looking at that type of stuff. Or if you know, you're not one who likes to do that stuff, have your bag packed and ready to just go for a run instantly. It's just it's a lot, it's a lot easier. Don't let your mind process that you don't want to do it. Just do it. Mm. That's brilliant. That's awesome. So what um, did you use your your just do it philosophy with some of these awesome things? I want to learn more about and I, I know a little bit, but I want to share you to share with everyone more about the 431 project. So this was something that was a bit unique and has actually gone by the wayside, but mm. I founded it with four or five other people, actually, um, again, with Joe DeSena from Spartan and three or four others. And what we tried to do is create like a TED Talks for health and wellness and fitness and really to get people moving. is It was focused on trying to get the next generation um, moving and get them out of their comfort zone and that type of stuff. But it then really turned into just everyone in general. And I think that's what, you know, society needs. You, you know, we don't need to work more. We almost need to be, you know, be healthier. And and we forget that Wall Street doesn't like, you know, Wall Street doesn't care if you're healthy or not. They want pro productivity out of the person. 
or they want people doing this. But I think if you step back and you look as health as wealth, there's, you know, there's much more that can be involved and, you know, in peak performance, both in the workplace and outside the workplace. And that's really what that was all about. Oh, 100%. And, you know, I, I saw something recently about the, um, uh, the English cycling team and that they look at, you know, how they wash their hands is like a, a, a minor way to help improve performance because it keeps them healthier, they get less sick, and then they're able to train better. And so health, and that's just a, a really detail-focused example, but your health is, it 100% contributes to your productivity. So I, I do think that even though it's it's a hard thing to get everybody on board with, I do think that more businesses are understanding how important health and wellness is to keeping their employees super productive um and and you know and just from an energy standpoint you know which i definitely resonates with me for sure no and that's huge and i think you know you could get a friend of mine actually i've had on my podcast fellow by the name of david rhodes is a, a huge proponent of it he actually runs an equipment finance company and if everyone wants to listen to it it's on my executive athletes podcast mm-hmm. um he created a culture of a five-hour workday where you come in, he's on the West Coast, and you work from 8 to 1 o'clock. And there's no expectations of anyone to be there after 1 o'clock. But when you're there, you're going hard. You're not leaving for doctor's appointments. You're not doing any of that stuff because that's what the afternoon is open for. It's free. It's for your life. If you want to go surfing, you go surfing. If you need to go deal with your kids at daycare, go deal with your kids at daycare, all that type of stuff. And the productivity of the firm has gone through the roof. And he's a big proponent of all that stuff of, all right, be healthy. But when you're here, you're going to be focused. You're going to kick ass for these five hours that you're there. And then you're free for the rest of the day. I love that. What was his name again? David Rhodes. David Rhodes. R-H-O-A-D-S. He's with a company called Blue Street Capital that he's the CEO of. Fantastic. And and everybody, the Executive Athletes podcast is really super. So definitely check that out as well. Um, tell us a little bit more about this, the ultimate hire. What it, what, where did that come from? <laughs> so that is actually something I launched about a year ago, let it go by the wayside, and I'm doing a, ma- a relaunch right now. And it's really, it was, I put it together because there's so many different pieces of the hiring puzzle, right? Who's going to be the ultimate hire? Number one is a candidate, but what company is the ultimate hiring company? Number two. And it's sort of the combination of two and really it's all right. You know, how are you going to find the best people possible to work for your firm? And that's, you know, and I do a lot of uh, blogging about that. I do a lot of posting. I'm actually going to be launching a podcast around the same thing about, you know, performance in the workplace, number one, but, you know, a lot about hiring. People don't really know how, how to hire people effectively. And that's really what the discussions it's going to be. Candidates, professionals don't know how to get hired effectively and companies don't know how to hire effectively and really bring the two together is what it's all about. And um, there's another piece of the puzzle that I've actually started as well called the daily candidate. That's part of the the ultimate hire where candidates that I don't have a fit for in my niche, I can actually, you know, get exposure for every day. So one candidate a day, I'll be getting exposure for out in the marketplace and hopefully, you know, and help, help them get exposure that they couldn't get before as well as help, you know, selfishly or, you know, help grow my business and continue to grow my own personal brand. So it's a, it's 
it's sort of an offshoot of, you know, my day-to-day business and the recruiting business, but it's taking that 20 plus years of expertise and talking about hiring and talking about recruiting and talking about finding sort of, you know, your next dream or your next career or how to take your business to the next level. You know, I I think it's brilliant because I I find it really interesting when I'm working with um, bigger companies, they typically talk about the fact that they, you know, the they just can't find the the right people and you know there's all these hiring issues but yet when i talk to people who are looking for work they complain that there's not enough opportunities <laughs> and that they can't find a good fit so there's definitely something missing and and maybe the ultimate hire is what's missing is to be able to give people the strategies on how to do it right um if we can have a a sneak peek what do you think is one tip that you would give people when it comes to um, getting hired? Just know your story. Most people don't know their story. They don't know how to tell their story, right? So work on how to tell your story. And same for companies, you know, and, and if you're talking with companies that are looking to hire people, know their story because you can go in and interview with five different people and you're gonna get five different stories, right? There's no, you know, no one really understands exactly what someone does or what the company does. And that's, and I think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle that's missing from both the candidate side as well as the hiring side is that people, there's no, you know, I can't think of the word right now, but you know, there's no ability to tell the right story or the correct story. And I think that's, you know, that's the biggest issue. It's that question. Instead of when I talk to people, I say, you know, tell me your story versus tell me about yourself. And I think it opens it up a little bit better. That's, you know, because everyone's, you know, so used to freezing up when someone says, tell me about yourself versus tell me your story. Because everyone's got a story. It's so, so true. And, you know, that is great advice. As a speaker, you know, when when you get on the stage, you're talking to whether it's 100 people or 4,000 people, the way that they're going to connect to you is through a story. If you just stand up there and you tell them about, you know, here are these great tips and here here's what I learned from my vast, you know, experience – but it's not the same as as telling a story of someone just like them, right? And and I think that that is great advice, especially. Um, well, I, I you know I was going to say especially from the person looking for work, but I, I do think that you have a great point. Is that having consistency, having from a company standpoint sharing together, getting together and saying, so what, what's our story? Because if you like you said, if you're hire, if you're um, going for an interview. With five different people, you may have a different feel for what it's like to work there or what the story is um, because it's personalized. But to have the company, do you help advise with that, the company to get together and find their stories so that they're appealing to the people that are the right fit? We do. So one of the things I do in the in the search business and, and hopefully other search people do it is get to really know the company's story you're selling. Right. How do you, how do you, here, let's tell a consistent story to make sure that everything's in alignment. And one of the things that we do really well is we go out and tell stories because not every company is a Google or an Apple, even though they all think they're Google and Apple and (laughs) that they should be able to hire Google and Apple people and that type of stuff. But, you know, every company, like a person, has a story. Some companies are in a growth mode and no one's ever heard of you. Right. All right. So, how do we tell that story? Or, 
a company is emerging from a bad situation, a bankruptcy or a bad reputation in the marketplace. How do we tell that story? Or there's a new company coming into a market. How do we tell that story? Right. And that's, and that's what it's all about. You know, life is really just a series of stories. It's that dash between the day you were born and the day you're yeah. dead. Is, you know, that's the story. And, you know, and, some stories are better than others, but, you know, go out and create a good story. It's, you know, that all, that movie, the Walter Mitty movie, right? It's It really sits there. If you're just existing, that's not really a life. Go out and create your own story. I love it. And, you know, that's a that's a, a great segue here to kind of bring it, wrap it up. It Doesn't 30 minutes just fly by? Oh, it's amazing. It, it's insane. I could, I could sit here and talk to you all day long because I know that the conversation will flow and lots of nuggets will come. Um, but if you, if you guys want more from Ken, check it, definitely check out, um, executive athletes podcast. He's doing a lot of cool things. If you're in, um, in the hiring need, the ultimate hire.com is, is really, it sounds like it's going to be awesome. Um, is there any other way that you want people to connect with you? They can, you know, the easiest way is on LinkedIn. Just reach out to me on LinkedIn, or you can send me an email directly at my work email at klubin at zrgpartners.com. That's by far the easiest one. I don't, I don't, all my other stuff's tied to Gmail and I hate Gmail. So that, that's the easiest <laughs> one that, <laughs> that comes. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm not letting you off the hook yet because we have to end. Um, I like to close it out by asking you, what's your one thing, that one piece of advice that a listener could use right away or that would really impact them? What Just would it be? Just keep going, right? And realize that there, you're going to have ups and downs and just, you know, just keep going down the right path instead of becoming, becoming emotional to the good, the highs and the lows, you know, just stay steady, I think is probably the, you know, the best advice I can give people. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate your time and energy here today. It was a blast and thank <laughs> you for having me on board. Thanks. You have a wonderful day. And thank you to all you guys. Don't forget to subscribe. See you next time.